0: You got to keep the big picture that hey, we're changing the world. We're changing the world.
1: If you want to be taken seriously, you have to be consistent. consistent. We're speaking
2: with people that are sending a pulse through their industry. None other than Tony Hawk, Todd Peterson, Jesse Isler, everybody. Thanks for being on, Jordan. The league presents Electric People.
1: Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Electric People podcast. Today we are delighted. To have our vice president of field operations, or just operations, it's great. Adam. Brendan Smith. <laughs> that's good. Brendan Smith, best beard in the game. Thank you. He's had that beard going for a little yeah, while. Yeah, it's a Viking beard. What, um, Brendan and I go way back. We worked together at a previous company. We've, mm-hmm. uh, I would say, the one thing that no one knows about us is we've played full contact tackle football as grown adults. Complete been's. yeah, and it was ugly. I'm talking. I can imagine. I'm talking ugly. Yeah, and uh, if you could like calculate the force,
2: you're just good-sized fellas. Yeah, like like the actual like force coming together. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I bet no, it's you, significant. You
1: you realize real quick you're past your prime uh, when you put you full pads on in your thirties. So I, I, made, <laughs> I made I made I, I made the mistake
0: of because you always want your. I want my kids to see, you know, hey, your dad used to, you know, yeah. thinks he was a good athlete, yeah. come watch him play. Mm-hmm. And, you uh, brought your daughters to I'm time. glad they were young enough that time to not actually remember so I can still use the legend they're unaware of <laughs> uh, and
1: hype that up because, yeah, it wasn't. <laughs> well, that's cool. Yeah. We're rough. excited to get into a bunch of different topics today, Brennan, but um, I wanted to kind of start with, uh, so I was here in sort of, not involved, but... Um, You know, I gave Chance a really good recommendation. Obviously he came to me and said, hey, what do you know about Brendan Smith? And we'd worked together at a previous company and um, Brendan just does a a killer job. And at the time, our operations as a company was probably one of our weak points. Um, There was a lot of things that we weren't doing really well. And uh, I mean, you kind of got handed, I always like to think of the movie Christmas Vacation. You remember when he gives Rusty the big ball of Christmas lights? Oh yeah, and he's like, "Here, go ahead and you know untangle this." Like, I feel like that's what I feel like that's what um, our CEO did when he hired Brendan. He just gave him a huge ball of Christmas lights and said, "Here you go, good luck." Yeah. So walk us through it. What happened?
0: Yeah, I think uh, the the journey, like
1: how we got here. Yeah, or just even that first, even that first, like when you came in, what was your initial thoughts?
0: Well, I think the first thing, one of the biggest reasons why I came to Vivint Solar was. because of that opportunity. There was a lot of things, you know, at the time in the solar industry, you know, Vivint Solar uh, was one of the biggest that had their IPO, Um, you know, people that, uh, at that time, you know, when you're, people were envious of Vivint Solar. And I was kind of in that same, I was in that same boat, right? Uh, Working for a smaller, you know, you call it a dealer and always having this, you know, this this envy of being a part of something big and something great. And that's kind of what drove me was just that opportunity to be a part of it. Um, I was really excited and grateful to have that opportunity. When I came in, uh, you mentioned you know, Rusty's uh, you know, situation that Clark hands him. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's kind of what it was, but one of the things that I loved that was really motivating was we did have, we had a, the right people, if that makes sense, operationally as I came in and I looked at you know, different opportunities that existed, one of the biggest things that enabled us to be successful in those opportunities was we had a lot of the right people. Uh, and I think it was just you know, some of the systems and processes and direction that they needed to go execute on those things um, you know, was, was, was what was missing. So I think given that we had this large sales engine, we had all of the support uh, you know, here to be able to enable a lot of the things that would make a company great, uh, that's kind of what we did. So we 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 just tried to uh, you know establish just some uh, a basic plan and goal of what operations wants to be known for. Well, and we I
2: frame the problem because a lot of guys that are listening weren't mm-hmm. here for this. Like
0: yeah, they don't they don't
2: know the the Vivint Solar that had so much sales volume and we overshot or we didn't necessarily have the infrastructure. So maybe yeah. like as you saw it when you came in, mm-hmm. frame out what that looked like for those that. I mean, I, we, we tell horror stories of, hey, there used to be a three to six week wait to get a design for a house, a cat, right? That. Like that's what's up. Yeah. I, I tell people that you know, my first year, I sold 200 and something accounts and I didn't PTO an account in eight months. Mm-hmm. Like, So the, walk through yeah. some of the problems as you saw them.
0: Yeah, I think when, it, a part of it I'd say was somewhat the industry too, because the industry was so young. At that time, there hadn't been a a Vivint Solar that had just gone from, you know, there are other solar companies out there, there are large solar companies, but a company that went from, you know, the ground to this massive uh, industry player, now publicly traded, I think it was everything got hit at once. And so they weren't prepared for the momentum and being ready to support what sales was going to bring them. And so I think as we go through that and just had a and, and maybe sometimes, you know, th- this happens to me, maybe it happens to you guys. Sometimes we get a little too caught up uh, in what the day to day is. The goals are too limited. They're too, you're, 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 we spent too much time. And maybe this is to summarize the whole thing. Maybe too much time was spent on fixing things all of the time on just trying to fix what was in front of you at that time, as opposed to what do we want Vivant Solar to be known for? Like, how, how's this going to look in a year? We already have some of these issues, whether it was, you know, like you said, the, the delays on CAD or for us. When I first came in, you know, for those that weren't here at the time, we had, uh, you know, 24, 25 megawatts of customers that, Hadn't had the electrical complete on their job. A big, a big chunk of those were in Massachusetts, right? So when we look at that experience, and you look at what Vivint Solar used to be, a given example of you know what it used to be is we used to go and we'd install the system, just the glass, right? I think that people would say, throw glass on the roof, and then come back and do, yeah, uh, and then come back, yeah, just throw, just throw is up, no worry, <laughs> yeah, yeah so it's, it's no worries, slap it up there, and then we'd come back and we do the electrical. Um, and you think about that, and so the amount of issues, solar is already complex enough. There were a lot of things, I would say, low hanging fruit of challenging why we do something and trying to eliminate a lot of those handoffs again on what we want to be. So, if we're going to do an install and then come back to do the electrical, that's the inconvenience, not only for us as a business, but for the customer. You know, you imagine if that's how our process was today that we showed up, we put glass on the roof, and we said, hey, someone will reach out to you. And, We'll get that electrical complete down the road. Like it just, There was a lot of those little things that we, needed to, uh, that we needed to correct and just look at the abilities that we had as a company at that time, that we had not only with the processes, but also with the people and say, what can we do with the experience to improve it today? And there were a lot of those things, just like the install complete. We, we were doing work orders on paper, right? So we'd go do an install and to track everything that happened, we'd write it down on a piece of paper and turn it in. Uh, so we have
2: to get scanned and like put in. Yeah, you scan it, I mean, you know,
0: it, yeah. We're, it's, shipped, scanned, we and
2: put in the
1: computer. it was a 7 or a 2.
0: Yeah. <laughs> like it was in pencil things. and it was raining outside. <laughs> yeah. So. yeah, yeah. So I think having that and trying to just establish some, uh, you know, with, with the people and the process, the tools that we have today, what is it that we can do to help us be, you know, world class, but at the same time knowing that if we were going to, we needed everybody to care about not just, you know, Vivint Solar is big and we need to support the sales guys and we need to do the best we can. My my philosophy has always been and always will be, uh, when you look at our department mission statement, our vision, those kinds of things, it's all built around being the reason why. If you start there, that's kind of how we look at things. We want to be the reason why customers go solar. We want to, and when I say we, I'm talking about operations. We want to be the reason why sales guys and gals want to work for vivant Solar. We want to, that, that's kind of our goal in everything that we do. And if all we're doing is just reacting to what's happening, it's hard to do that, right? So when we look at what the why is, we just want, when you sit down and you're having a conversation, what makes Vivint Solar great? It's always my goal and it might be a selfish one, but I want to be the reason why vivant Solar is the place to be, why it's the place you know, to be a customer, why it's a place to be an employee, my employees, the sales, it's it's really important to me because I do believe that, you know, for businesses to be successful, um, it is operations being the differential factor, right? I I really believe that. Um, And having something that is a unique experience that people can't find anywhere else. That's always my goal. And I think when you, how can we do that today versus, you know, what it could be, that never stopped. Right, so day one, when I first got here, I'm doing that same exercise today that I did day one. Right, what is the best I can do with what I have? But then as we look towards 2020 and beyond that, what are those things that we, again, to be the reason why, what do we wanna be known for, how do we differentiate ourselves between, like that never ends, right, It's, it's ongoing.
2: I think that's a really important lesson. Because, and that's the same as we run with our sales teams. But so often, like with sales teams, you look at like production hey, production was down yesterday. Yeah. So, and then they just scrap in the day to day instead of taking a second. Maybe you have to have an immediate solution, but take a second, step back and say, okay, what does this look like in a year? Yeah. Because I remember um, you were at Bright Energy. I didn't mm-hmm. know you then. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember when you had decided to come over. It kind of started some whisperings. Now I hear the whisperings with salespeople because that's my world. Mm-hmm. I don't often hear whisperings with ops people because I just don't know it as well. And I remember Ryan Tall called me and he's like, dude, he's like, your life is about to get so much better. <laughs> and I was like, why? He's like, because Colt, Reed, and Brendan Smith are the oh. best ops guys in the industry. And dude, from the time you came over, what year was that? 2015? What we've been able to accomplish, and it's crazy because to hear that that was your vision, because when we used to start to lose salespeople, it usually started with an ops issue. Mm -hmm. Something happened that frustrated them, and then somebody across the street said, we don't have those problems here, Mm -hmm. right? Whatever. Uh, Grass is greener type thing, and then we'd lose them. But now to see that we're five years (coughs) later, we talk about some of the operational efficiencies and operational like accomplishments and culture, and it's the reason. Like it's yeah. it's really cool to hear full circle that that was the plan. Well, you
1: would we would lose guys all the time due to ops stuff, mm-hmm. and um, and then we would never be, we would never recruit somebody because of our ops. Right? Yeah. It was it was usually us having that as one of our concerns that we would get during the recruiting process, and we'd have yeah. to sit and overcome the concern. Um, I have always been impressed with your ability to just see big picture in terms of sales and ops relationships as well. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes on a local level, there can be some tension between sales and ops. Sure. So whenever I've always called you, um, you know, I'll say, hey, here's an issue, this, that, whatever. I've always been impressed with your ability to articulate, even when it's something that we don't want to hear, why right. it's in the best interest of the company to do it that way. So. Yeah. So I wanted you to take maybe a minute because I think a lot of our sales guys, especially even newer guys, like they don't like on the East Coast. um, You know, we we don't install anything under nine and a half degrees a tilt, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Because the water will freeze and ice backs up, and um, or we don't go over. I was at forty-seven degrees or something Mm -hmm. now. So forty-five. So, but we used to do those sort of things in the past. Yeah. So some of our older guys would be like, "Man, we've sort of closed the aperture on." some of this stuff, what's your kind of opinion on, well, this is why we've done those decisions and this is why it's helped the business big picture? And then maybe some other things that we've opened the aperture on.
0: Yeah, I think uh, for me, when you look at those things, so if you take maybe things that we used to do that we no longer do, um, when you go through the why of what those are, it should never be for us it's not a it, the why is not because it's it, it's hard or it's too difficult or guys don't want to do it that that's not what the why is uh, the why for us in any decision is is it the right decision to make right and the process of determining whether something's right or wrong for me has been and always will be is the sustainability of the business being able to have sometimes make hard decisions that You've got to take, you know, sometimes you've got to take one on the chin, knowing what this is going to mean for us long term. And I can give you an example of when you look at, you know, whether it be roof types, pitch, some of those kinds of things uh, where we've put ourselves in a really good position by some of the decisions that we make. And, and, and we don't talk about this enough. That's probably one of the things that, you know, maybe we need to do a better job sometimes of explaining the why. We, me, you guys are all right. Um, but Our wives, y- Brendan told us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, a bad, that's a bad one. Uh, but when you look at where this in, what's happened in this industry over the last three or four years, even if I just look at the last 12 months, the sophistication of this industry has probably gone up 10x since I've started. Really? Not just with the customers, which you guys probably see that. You're seeing that with sure. the customers, I'm certain, right? Where they're, they're, they're getting more savvy. The sophistication and kind of scrutiny that's happening on the financial side so when somebody comes in and uh, we're looking for investors, whether it's debt investors or it's tax equity investors, whatever it might be, there's back in the day, that was a, a really good plan that you could just put a plan and an idea on a piece of paper and people get excited about it. You've got, you know, guys, Chance, Paul uh, and others out there selling this vision and those kinds of things. Well, there wasn't, a, there wasn't a lot of data at the time to compare that against, right? Someone shows a model and says, hey, this is going to be awesome. I was like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. What's happened over the last few years is because there's been so many bad players in the solar industry that have made commitments to customers on how these systems are going to work and operate and perform and all these kinds of things that have either, you know, A, gone out of, you know, have done things the wrong way and are still around or A, did things the wrong way and, you know, it's just... Someone else is purchasing that account and now it's their problem. So, what's happening is when someone wants to come in and evaluate, do I want, is Vivant Solar a good investment? The decisions that we have made over the last few years, whether it be on the front end of what makes sense from a roof type, um, you know, some of the rules that we have, along with how we manage these systems on the back end once they've received PTO and we're now responsible for their performance is the reason, one of the primary reasons why we've been able to raise far more than the majority of the companies out there because we can tell a story, we can answer questions that nobody else can because those questions weren't asked two years ago, three years ago. Now people come in and they're like, "Hey, cool, we love the story. You guys have always had a great story but there's 500 other people that have the same story. Solar's now been, you've had these assets operating for several years now Go ahead and show me that that story that you had is accurate, and a lot of people aren't prepared to tell that story. Uh, and I, I could give several you know different examples of you know investors that you know we work with that want us to uh, manage the assets for them, distressed assets, assets of. Uh, companies that have gone out of business or assets that they have purchased that are underperforming, hmm. they come to us and ask us to take some of oh, the. And when we wow, go through the, that. it's That's it's true. kind of a new. It's starting to happen. But when we go, sometimes we go through the diligence of these projects, and it's just you mentioned uh, the structural side, or or just the you know the nine and a half degrees things like that. When I go through and I do diligence on these projects, and I realize that I've got uh, you know a set of these assets that is going to uh, cost me so much more money. What's happening is, is the investors are shocked. They come and say, hey, we want you to manage these assets. They think it's gonna cost one thing. You come back and say, it will eventually cost me that, but I need another X million dollars to get them up to the point that these systems are sustainable. So when you look at the asset that Vivint Solar wants to install, that we want to install, we want it to be an asset that is installed at the highest quality and we want it to be an asset that when you're sitting down with a customer and you're engaging, whether the contract type is, a loan, a PPA, whatever it is, this thing is gonna work for the entire length. Like it is a big, con- like, you guys have a tough, ch- you're selling a 20, 25 year contract, like that is, I can't imagine. And the decisions that we make hopefully empower you to know when those questions come up, that there's nobody else who is more thoughtful with what this system is going to look like in 20, 25, 30 years than vivant Solar, mm-hmm. right? And and I think that is, you know, again, sometimes it's hard and you have those conversations like, well, maybe this other company can do it and why can't Vivant Solar do it? I can promise you that in every single one of those, it is because I am leading with making sure the customer experience, the longevity of the customer is world-class. And I know that that will pay off. It already has started to pay off with the investors and giving us the opportunity to expand and grow. Um, it's important to me.
1: Isn't that funny? Sorry, no, no. Um, isn't that funny how you said that we'll inspect or we'll do dil- due diligence on other people's accounts yeah. now? I remember it was probably back in 2013 or 14 when we had a company come and do due diligence on our accounts. Yeah. And we f- I think we failed like 20 of 20 inspections they did out in Massachusetts. Twenty-eight. 28.
0: <laughs> 20. Oh, you remember this. So, this was right um, after I started. It was the right results after. results came.
1: Um, so we failed like every single one of them. Yeah. And, um, and I don't think it was necessarily we were just purposely doing a bad job. No. I think there was a yeah. lot of um, just probably ignorance to what the standards should be or whatever. What's been fascinating to see is that now we have this, uh, I don't know what the number is, but this point process that's become 86. essentially the... Yep industry standard which banks are now taking to other yeah. companies to do due dil- diligence on their yeah. business right yeah
2: one of the one of the points it's cool to see this come full circle yeah and to talk with ops because um, I remember when I first started selling in California mm-hmm. I was one of the ones that I didn't have the experience I was frustrated with some of the limitations yeah and you could hear me saying stuff like just tell them to install it it's going to be fine yeah well this was during the worst drought in, I believe, California history, Yeah. and then what happens, one of the things that I always tell people is it's fine until the rains come, because I remember when the rains came, and the sheer volume of phone calls, the people oh, yeah. that were in despair, and our inability to serve it fast enough, and so I often tell other people from other companies, I'm like, yeah, it's fine to do that until the rains come, and eventually they'll come, and so now yeah. a lot of times when, I'm, when we'll sit with competitors, <coughs> and they're like, why you versus the other company? And I'll say, listen, I now have had the experience where I've seen somebody save a couple thousand bucks on a solar install, and now they're trying to get it serviced, and they don't know who to call because the company is no longer in business, but you still have this thing. So it's interesting to see, I've gained confidence from some of the decisions that I didn't want to hear in the time, but now that I've been here for six years, I'm like, man, I'm so glad we've recruited so many people because we no longer have to worry about the product you're selling people
0: Maybe there's a there's one of my favorite uh, uh, one of my favorite TED talks was one on it was the one if you've seen it with the uh, with the marshmallows and the kids yeah. and what, what he says the whole oh. purpose of it is he talks about uh, what he says the number one you know the 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 biggest thing uh, to control success is delaying gratification. And I think that's somewhat relatable to me when you look at and at the end of that uh, TED Talks he actually goes into define he says something specifically about sales and he says as you're fitting that product are you pushing a product that isn't what the customer needs versus if you sell a product and the customer says okay yeah whatever and then you ask one more question and you say is does this actually meet your needs? I've already told you, you're just saying it, but there is more to this, there's more things to consider, there's more. And as you push and have this be a product that is sold for the customer's needs, it opens up that referral floodgate. It opens up when you'd be known, and I, I think it's kind of the piece delaying gratification. There is some, I, I think there's something to that with some of the things that we do at Vivint Solar where you don't see the immediate, like what's the purpose is I could go you know, sell this account somewhere else, those kinds of things. Uh, delaying that gratification is, is is a is a pretty good principle. When I watch, I kind of relate some of the things that we do to say that it, it may be tough today, it may be hard for people to understand, but in the long term, you know, it's the right decision.
2: Well, let's talk specifically about some of the things that we, some of like, because the way the marshmallow test goes is you don't eat the one, but if you wait, you get two. Correct. So what are some of the second marshmallows that we have? Since we made some of these decisions at a time when it was relatively unpopular, mm-hmm. what now, do we have to show for it? what, do, what can we do or what status uh, do we have that other people don't?
0: Yeah. I was gonna, real quick. I'm going to go back to just to, for for those watching, I want to make sure I can tie some of these things off uh, one for one. You mentioned those failed inspections, the company that did those fail, the, those inspections on behalf of uh, the investor at the time, that company is the company that we partnered with to write, to, to, to write and have industry adopted. QA standards. The individual that runs that inspection group is now a very close friend of mine uh, and we have a relationship. They continually do inspections for us to make sure we're on the same page, that we can continue to develop the standards for the industry.
1: Mm. Oh, cool.
0: uh, so they are, it's, it's just kind of crazy full circle that yeah. they were the ones that came in. We've now partnered with them and created these industry standards together that were published in SIA uh, last September and we still continually use them today as a great partner of ours. And when you go to that that, that transformation of, of, of what we were known for to where it is today, when this group goes out and does, and they'll still be asked to go do inspections on us if there's an investor that's requesting it, what's cool is it's not this big project that we're afraid of. They can just hand over the last 10 that they did for us because we oh, yeah, continually work with them. Uh, so that, that would be an example of something mm. that, I don't know especially it's necessarily your second marshmallow, but. Um, that, that would be an example of, uh, of what that looks like. Maybe a uh, second marshmallow I'd use, I'll tie in home upgrades for a second, because the other part of what I would say with, uh, I don't, even if it's something that might be the right decision today, that down the road, you know, an example, you know, whether it be roof types, roof conditions, some of those kinds of things, um, and we know it's the right decision, we still look to find a different solution that might be something that complements that change, if that makes sense. So. A big one for me on this is home upgrades, where whatever these things are, we're changing that may hurt some volume because it's things that guys, you know, have done in the past, things like How can we take that and just create new volume? It's not an excuse to say, okay, well, hey, there's a rule change that might affect you, and it is what it is. Mm-hmm. In that, at that exact same time is what else can we do to potentially add into this to make that pain less? And roofs is an example. When you go through the conditions of the roof and, uh, it's been a few years since we tightened things up on roof conditions. We didn't tighten things up on roof conditions and say, all right, you're on your own. Go figure it out. Yeah, Sorry, we, we can't do it. Yeah, anymore. yeah. Well, That's it. it is to find a solution for everything, right? And you look at the evolution of home upgrades, which used to just do ESCs, uh, has evolved into this business that is now turning uh, real-time bids. We now have, I was out in Boston a couple weeks ago meeting with uh, the roofing crews out there, We've got 13 roofing crews at Vivant Solar. I don't think a lot of people are like we have. We are a roofing company, right? Uh, we are doing over 200 re-roofs a month, and when you think about it in terms of volume, uh, we went through this the other day to just kind of take a look at 2019 to set our goals in home upgrades, and you know just kind of set a, a, a benchmark for where we're at today. Home upgrades uh, on the roofing and structural created in 2019. Uh, or will if I was to look at the last two weeks and roll that together, they're gonna create about thirteen megawatts of opportunity that did not not of opportunity. These are installed. Opportunity, I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we're gonna install thirteen megawatts that we otherwise wouldn't have had we not made these changes and increased. Any other company could have. Any well. other company could have. And I think, you know, you guys have probably felt the pain where it's like, you know, something's disqualified and you go out and try and find your own contractor, do those kinds of things. Um, you know, my motivation when I hear that is not to, uh, you know, not to criticize your decision and have that. My motivation in that time when you tell me, Brendan, you can't do this, and I'm going to get a contractor right then and there. I've made a decision to get to have that never be said to me again, and be the reason why uh, you're selling more volume, and that's me getting you opportunities that otherwise wouldn't exist. So I, it's <clears throat> there, there's a solution for everything. So maybe the second marshmallow. Um, You know, the biggest impact it's had is just our, how we're viewed as a business in all these different areas where some of the decisions that were made, you know, that we've had uh, and and how it's affected our ability to now be known as a business that does things the right way. Um, You know, I think that's, uh, and I could go through so many different things, whether it's, you know, R&Rs, it could be uh, the performance team with o and there are so many different things that we've had to take, you know, a second to kind of stop, make sure we're doing things the right way. Um might, might have stifled some immediate gains we could have gotten, but over the long term as Vivint Solar sits today, you know, I, I can confidently tell sales that no one views, there, there's not a better business to invest in than Vivint Solar. And that's because the opportunity that sales gives us and the execution that we're holding ourselves accountable for. Not perfect, yeah. but that's what we're working for.
1: Well, I would say a drastic change from I think probably when Ty and I were managing teams directly is. Uh, the ops manager in every market it was like you were husband wife yeah. I mean it, there was yeah. so much daily communication yeah. and if you had and conflict if sometimes. you had a sales manager uh, Who wasn't competent or an ops manager that wasn't competent the other person found themselves micromanaging each other all the time And yeah. I mean, it was just a lot of conflict and just unnecessary stuff, and that's completely changed now um, I wanted to I I always really enjoy hearing your perspective on why Vivent Solar versus competitors. And it's because you have this unique access to um, supply chains and different suppliers with panels and financing and all this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And it's a different perspective than tying on the front lines or selling sales leadership, sales processes, all these types of things. You're seeing it from the... The the behind the scenes behind the curtain, yeah. You know why Vivint Solar from your perspective?
0: Yeah, um, I think in in your t- in j- everything Vivint Solar, our department product, I go so many different directs. Give me a. Uh, I think I don't more take just too much.
1: you know if you're if you're a rep who's like changing <laughs> industries, you want to come from okay. something to the yeah. solar industry. Okay. Why would you Why would you pick Vivint Solar over a competitor based on? The access to information that you have that, that 99% sure. of sales leaders don't have.
0: Yeah. Uh, the first thing I would say with that is that, the, I go back to some of the other kind of the stuff, the theme I've been speaking to on making the right decisions. An example of, you take modules, right? Everyone wants you know the black on blacks, and you've got companies that they have 400 watt panels, black on black. What Vivint Solar does compared to other people an example of this, this is for every module, if the companies that we partner with when it comes to modules, for example, every single module that Vivint Solar installs has a QA test done on it per Vivint Solar standard. That doesn't exist in the industry. So we're not, when we go out and shop products, when we're looking for, you know, what's the, uh, what's the best option for inverters, what's the best option for panels, all these other kinds of things, everything that we're doing is keeping in mind what the new technologies are. I could get into this with batteries and why we're going the, the route that we're going and why they're going that way. When you go out and you sell a product, there's no one else that can stand that can make some of the statements that you can make and and we need to do a better job of giving every single thing that is going up there we didn't buy from, uh, it wasn't a website, it wasn't a distributor, it wasn't, this is it's a like product, a yeah, we, we, we have a, we've got a, we, we, it's called Solar Labs out in California in Sebastopol, that we run everything. Not only do we do the QA tests at the manufacturer, wherever they're being manufactured, but then everything runs through our internal QA tests with about 20 different people that go through. When you go in and install, and you sell a product, that is a product that has gone through an extremely rigorous process on understanding does it will it meet our will it meet our standards and followed up by the install crews right that are now coming behind with this expectation of quality and they're graded on their quality like there's nobody that when you there, no one goes through that type of process like vivant solar does right and and they, they they can claim to but it it's not i i can say it's a fact it just it just doesn't exist because uh, so much of this is focused on getting it done today, selling it tomorrow, and never doing it. We own these assets for 25 years, 30 years, hopefully longer.
1: That's probably one and of the I biggest know, differences, right? Well, is, it, yeah. is it just because we're fully vertically stacked, is that the advantage?
0: It's a huge advantage, yeah, from end to end. And that's why you know uh, can appreciate a lot of the contractors that are out there and all the things that they do. Uh, but for me, being able to control the process, I have to be able, if I'm to look, you know, you guys and the rest of sales guys and say, sell me, sell my guys, sell my people, sell my processes, my products, these kinds of things, um, that comes with a guarantee on my side. And if you're not vertically integrated and you're using others to get some of this stuff done, the complexity, which becomes this, you know—you have to take a second to r- recognize what the reality is that exists there. If we were using 500 subcontractors to do all of this stuff, it's impossible for me to tell you guys that I can give you that experience. Mm-hmm. I, can hit, I can hit the timelines you expect, the quality you expect, and then on the very end of this, this is the biggest change that Vivint has made over the last couple of years. Have that be something when you told the customer that their system was gonna produce this much power Right. And whatever that played into, however, that played into their savings or their decision making, it has to do that. You can't have a customer a year down the road say, Hey, this thing's not, you said it would do this and it's not doing this. So, our investment in our monitoring center for the assets and being able to monitor these things, I got to design it, I got to sell it, I got to install it, and now I'm the one that manages it. How do I know what we should do on the front end? Well, because I've got, you know, a couple hundred thousand customers. I've got millions of devices on the roof with years of data that I now use to determine what is what affects how a system performs, because at the end of the day, it's all that matters. We sold a product. Does it work? Is it working as it was supposed to work? If the answer is no, then you're doing something wrong, right? It doesn't, and, and, and the integrity of that is important to me. And that's what we do with the performance team. Like this is a real monitoring. If people came to Utah, I'd love that they, we monitor all these assets live every day, is it working, is it not working? <coughs> and taking that proactive approach, 80% of the service calls that we have today that we go out and fix systems are because we contacted the customer and sent someone out to fix mm, their system. Proactively. Proactively, it's like Comcast calling you or Cox, whoever you have and saying, hey, Adam, Ty, looks like your internet's uh, running 20, maybe slower. Can we send someone out there to get it to, that's that's what we want to be, right? How much would you love that? Yes, yes, right? And we're not, uh, that leaves 20% of inbound, there's still some stuff there as we work to prioritize over the last couple of years, we prioritize the biggest issues to get those done first, but we're almost in this position where we've got this, you know, turnaround that we can resolve all of the issues that are happening on systems inside of 14 days and get in that environment, but that is... There's not, so, there's not another company in this industry. This is a fact that has the sophistication that Vivint Solar has as we monitor the assets. Uh, it's, it's wild. Which uh, is crazy because- And uh, that's why people ask us to monitor their assets because yeah, they yeah. don't know how to do it. And, it. and it took several years to figure it out, right? And we're still not even there. We're not perfect, right? Well, that's so. what I was gonna say, but I, I, I always compare ops issues from a sales perspective to being
2: sick. When you're sick, say your sinuses are packed, it's the only thing you can think of and for you can't sure. wait till it's better. But today, you're like, I haven't thought about my sinuses once, they're mm-hmm. fine. Yeah. And so with ops issues, this that monitoring issue that you talked about, and this mm-hmm. is why I appreciate it, and I, I hope our sales force is taking this in, that we saw a problem,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and it was bad for a while, mm-hmm. and we worked on it and we fixed, it, but we're not sick anymore. Like, as far as that goes, now we're yeah. on to another problem. Yeah. Um, maybe as a wrap up, what, how do you view the field. There's, you know, in the past, in, like, in more like uh, underdeveloped opportunities or maybe where even some of us used to be, it used to be kind of there's a sales and an ops and sometimes there was a little bit of a discord between the yeah. two. I'm interested in your take on how, how
0: you and your team view uh, the Salesforce. Yeah, a, a couple of things. The, the first thing, I feel it's always been important to me uh, to have a good relationship with sales. Uh, because at the end of the day, and we talk about this with our teams all the time, we, we have two customers and that is our sales reps and that is our actual customers. Um, at the end of the day, if we're not providing a service that's world-class to sales and it's not competitive, it's, it, it's a threat, right? And again, we don't wanna be the reason why someone doesn't wanna work here, right? There's the other side of that coin. And so when I look at sales reps for me and I say this people, this is my, and there will be several people that have heard me say this exact, exact same thing, sales does something that I am unwilling to do, and just that, and I, it, it seems simple. But when I look at the, res- the the respect that I have for the sales teams, and what you do on a daily basis, it is something that I am not willing to do, and don't want to. Like, it's not my. Uh, I'm, I, I think I'd do okay if I did it, and I've done it several times. But I personally have a hard time with closure. I can't have someone slam the door you on talked me.
2: about this. Yeah, it's to know why. it's just my thing.
0: <laughs> I'd go right back, and I'd yeah, say I'm not trying to say su- just. I've got my notepad out here. Just walk me through what I did wrong. <laughs> Was there something else I could have done different? You see, Brendan is to a it. rational human here. Have you, ever, <laughs> r-
1: have you ever rang a doorbell twice? Like, they shut the door and then you just re-knock it again? It twice.
2: Hey, guys that are listening,
0: don't <laughs> Push them. Yeah, I've only done it. it once yeah. or twice. But. <laughs> I just got to know. It's it's hard for me. But getting back on track, I, what you guys do, I have such an admiration for uh, the, the attitude that's required. Um, you know, the, you know, the ability to, you know, just, I always go back to, you know, think about old school, you're putting a sandwich in your cargo short pocket Mm. and you're going out and not, you're responsible for creating your own opportunity. And that motivates a lot of people, which is what you guys are. Um, you're, you're, motivated by that opportunity and you love the success you have in there. Um, for me, I envy that. Uh, I envy that. It, a lot of, you know, when I look at you know who I am, I wish I had more of that. And because of that, it's so easy for me to respect and value and have relationships with sales because it's genuine. It's not fake. I don't say things to sales guys because I just need to make, like I envy the uh, the skill sets and just the overall, you know, ability that you guys have to overcome the constant rejection and pain and, 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 uh, and just trials that you deal with on a daily basis. It's incredible to me. And and with my team, uh, I want them to feel the same way. And, and, and for the most part, uh, the majority of them do. It's tough on the front lines, as you guys know, right? When you're in a heated situation, sometimes we can all be a little bit unreasonable. But at, at, at the end of the day, understanding uh, how important we are to each other is really all that matters. And I think that's, that's, that's what we're pushing and that's what we're trying to do. Uh, and I have a team, my team in the field, those folks that are here and all the things that we do, they are incredible people that they do care about that. And they care about all the same things that I've talked about. And we, we, we wouldn't be where we are without them. And we won't go to where we need to be without them. Um, But you guys knowing that that is is how I view sales reps and and like Adam, you said earlier that trust, sometimes the answer isn't what you want to hear. Mm. I'm accountable to make sure you trust me in that scenario. Does that make sense? Like I I don't get to just say, no Adam, that's not how. The how I handle and talk with you, if, if we trust each other, then I can say those things. Then I can walk. And so if you're not at that point and there's not a relationship there, it's because the trust doesn't exist and the trust needs to be built so we can actually have a candid conversation. Right. So
1: as we wrap up, um, maybe final question. I know all of our sales guys are always interested in kind of the sneak peek of what's kind of coming in the future. And I'm kind of blindsiding you with this question. So um, can you give us any snippets or any any uh, sneak peeks of what we got coming down the pipe, from either a tech standpoint or just something that we're doing as a from the operations side that's gonna make sales guys jump for joy?
0: Yeah, I'm I'm just I'm going through and scratching the things off that that <laughs> uh, uh, I know batteries is a big that, that I can't issue, say about that. Yeah, maybe on the battery side is if I was to say the conversations that would happen with battery. Every conversation is, and and maybe what I'd say so you guys know we're working towards, we don't wanna do batteries to do batteries. We do as a company feel batteries are important, right? And we are pushing batteries. We're gonna be competitive with batteries. We're already starting on that path. But I know the only way for us to be competitive with batteries, and and again, I don't want to be competitive. To be clear, I want to be the best. I don't wanna compete, I wanna be the best. And I want people to try and compete with me. I don't wanna compete with them. And in order to do that, the process, the battery, the vision of what this thing looks like is all about, does this, when, when Adam and Ty and everybody else sits down to talk with someone about Vivint Solar, I want our batteries and our products to be a part of that conversation as a reason why you come to Vivint Solar. You can sell batteries, again, it, it's becoming a commodity. Anyone can sell batteries. But you sell them at Vivint Solar because the process and the product are world class. Right. So as we look at what batteries can do today and what they're backing up, we've already moved to the four circuit backups and in in some of these markets and heading out to Massachusetts quickly and being thoughtful on trying to make it a simple experience for the customer on what to back up, why not. But then you move into what some of these things are with, you know, the whole home backup and those types of products. I, I think, in my opinion right now, we are a couple steps ahead from a vision standpoint on what this product needs to be. And it's because I think we made some of the right choices on batteries. If if the customers are demanding it, we'll meet that demand. Mm. If they're not demanding it, we're gonna create that demand, but it's not gonna be forced because someone, you know, if an investor thinks it's a good idea, or it's going to be forced because it's something we know the customers are going to want, and we need to give them a product and help them understand why? Mm. And so I think that that's kind of how products are viewed for us on, you know, for those that think we're not put, we are, but we don't want to come out and just have it be, Hey, we, we do something that other people do. That's not good enough. We're not trying to compete. We're trying to be better. We're trying to be world-class and we're trying to be the reason why your opportunity at Vivant Solar is more unique than anywhere else. And so I, that's maybe what I'd say on products so that if I kept Get talking, I might, I, I, I might, uh, I might spit something out, but uh,
2: that truth serum we kicked in his cup earlier <laughs> is starting to come out. We got to,
1: we got to shut him down. Brennan, we really appreciate you being yeah, on, man. Yeah, I've, so, I've said it before, I'll say it again. I think your job might be the most challenging and just unpredictable, complex job maybe in the building, and um, you handle it with uh, a confidence that I think inspires all of us on the sales side Um, I feel like if we talk to ops and they feel panicked it definitely makes me feel panicked and every time I talk to Brennan I walk out I I come in like heated up you? and I walk out (laughs) and I walk out of Brennan's office just like man I feel like I just got a 20 minute hug (laughs) and Brennan just made me so calm and confident and when we can take that back to our guys it means a lot so um, on behalf of east coast i'm sure i can speak for ty we really appreciate everything you do and your team does and uh we couldn't do without you so i appreciate that thanks Ron. thanks Thanks, thanks for having me thanks for
2: hanging out with us today this is electric people take these principles and go be electric